Imagine being able to ask any question about church issues and practices at any time. Imagine getting a response in 24 hours or less. Imagine a team led by Tom Rayner answering your questions. It's like having your own church consultant on staff, and it's only $14.97 per month. That's only 49 cents per day, and there's no long-term commitment. You can try it today at churchanswers.com slash subscribe. You'll also get a free virtual staff meeting led by Tom Rayner every single month. Again, join us at churchanswers.com slash subscribe. Got church questions? Get church answers. Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, what's up? Good morning. Welcome to another episode of EST Podcast, the podcast for established church leaders by established church leaders. My name is Josh King, and I'm joined today by Micah Freeze, my good friend, long time. We've been, somebody asked me this the other day, Micah. Yeah. How long have we known each other? So I was at Missouri Valley when right. we became friends. So that would have been like, we probably became friends around 05, 06. So it's mm-hmm. been like 12, 13 years now. That's a long time. It's been a while, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like, what, a third of your life? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. no, it's more than, it's a third of my life. A 12, so 12, that'd be 36. I turned 36 in um, September. If so, it's yeah. 12 years, it's a third of your life. If it's 13 years, it's a third of my life, because I turned 40 in, a, in about two months, so. Yeah, yeah, so 12 years. So. It's it's longer than I've known Jackie. Um, to be real honest, well, there's just one other guy in southern Mississippi that we've been friends since kindergarten. That's it. It's me and you. My mom, my mom's known me a long time. <laughs> Wait a minute, it's it's your wife and your mom, and then a, a guy you knew in in elementary school, and me. That's that, that's, that's the it. list. That's it, dude. Wow, we man. we moved so much as a kid, and I know you did as well. Yeah, um, I was gonna say I'm with you, man. But we didn't have, you know, we were talking. My wife and I were talking about this when we moved from Mississippi to Texas. There wasn't such a thing really as chatting or staying connected. It was just pretty much like. Well, you were my friend, but now you're not. <laughs> that was it. You, Man you go alive. away, you know. So that's incredible. I don't have very long-term relationships. There's probably yeah. a few more in there. If we have a listener that you know thinks we're best, it's friends. feeling gypped right now. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll buy you a coffee. I really do love you. <laughs> um, oh, that's awesome. So when did you? I've got I've got a two twofold question here. When yeah. did you start kind of really taking the reins of ministry and? Who let you do that? Um, yeah, so I felt like the Lord was calling me into ministry when I was about 13 years old. Hmm. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so I was about 13, and my dad was a bivocational pastor at the time. And um, so my dad would be the one. So my dad, okay, so let me say this. I My dad mentored me in an informal way, right? Like the way a dad does for a son. Right. And... Um, in particular, like when he would do weddings and funerals and things like that, I can, I, you know, I can remember going with him and uh, standing in the back of the funeral home as he would do visitations and funerals and learning how to do it, you know, based on what he was doing. And, um, yeah, I mean, that that's kind of, but then his best friend, whose son was my best friend, mm-hmm. was a pastor about five miles away from us. And we used to get together, the four of us, every Sunday morning at like 7 a.m. to pray. 
um, two dads and two sons. And Mm -hmm. uh, that man, who's a pastor in Alabama today, gave me my very first chance to preach. And uh, and so, yeah, so... um, so those would be the folks who kind of took a chance with me when I was really, really young. I mean, I was 13 when I started, you know, it felt like I was called into ministry. I probably started teaching a year or two after that, but not preaching. Mm-hmm. I preached my first sermon when I was 17. Okay. I think it's extremely similar, not the dad part. 13, preached around 16 or something. The youth group, uh, youth minister kind of let me do a few things here and there um, because I had surrendered to ministry, so that meant I got to um, help you know, wash the vans yeah, or something right. like that. Um, so I got <laughs> that kind of, right. I remember specifically mopping the gym floor every summer, every couple of weeks. That's what I did for free to volunteer because I was called into ministry and that's what you do. And yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Let yeah. me just say that that's a, probably a good idea. Uh, but when I was 17 uh, or so late 17, early 18, um, this minister in town, he was the oldest pastor in our um, association, our countywide Baptist thing, mm-hmm. and um, he they needed a student pastor. Long story short, they ended up hiring the youngest student pastor in the county, had the oldest pastor in the county, and that's who first, you know, I guess rolled the dice on me and let me kind of take the reins of a ministry. I've and that was a that was a dicey roll of the dice. Very dicey. <laughs> I've always said they should not have hired me, and I should not have taken it. Those those were two <laughs> bad decisions, but <laughs> God awesome. worked it out. Um, That's awesome. It was a great, great church. Nothing bad. It's just I was young. I don't yeah. know what I'm doing, and yeah. so. Um, yeah. So that's where we started, and it brings up our topic today, which I think a lot of people have an interest in and just don't know how to get it started. And it's this idea of developing next generation leaders. Right. We're not talking about... I'm not talking about student ministry necessarily. Yeah, not like the student leadership team. Um, no. Although that's great. And right. It could be in your pipeline, trademark. It could be in those things, but um, that's not what we're talking about. What are we talking about? We're talking about um, an intentional platform to develop leaders through things like um, formal training opportunities, internships, that sort of thing. And here's the thing. I realize that the majority of our listeners are at churches that are probably mid-sized to smaller churches. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, I, I hear this often from churches, uh, people in churches of those size. Well, we're not large enough to be able to do that sort of thing. Oh, contraire, mon frere. You like the uh, French, <laughs> Josh? I know you're from I've Texas. Ne- I've I know never you're from known Texas. how to say that last part. Mon frere. something. I don't even know if that's right. It's probably not right. <laughs> we we actually have a family in our, uh, we actually have two families mm-hmm. in our church who were both missionaries in France. And anytime I use any sort of <laughs> French. <laughs> French colloquial phrase, uh-huh. they'll come up to me afterwards. In fact, in, including um, Andrew Perry, who's our worship pastor in the BX, his wife, she and her sister grew up in the in France. Her mom and dad were missionaries in France, and she just comes. She came up to me, the two of them, one time, just like almost crying. They were laughing so hard because they said I, I butchered the French language. Butchered and, uh, it. Did so, you say um, something inappropriate or just wrong? no, 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 no? I just said it like it's. I clearly sounded like an American redneck trying to speak right. French. Is what it sounded like. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so anyway, I love it. my I love point it. is though. Um, Smaller churches can. Yeah, that, uh, let me disagree with that profoundly, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Internships require people capital. They require time capital. They do not require financial capital. And uh, this was a, a sort of a, revel- a revelation moment for me. So I, I decided when I was pastor at Frederick Boulevard in Missouri that I wanted to start an internship program. And so I started doing research. I called... Um, 
I don't know, eight or nine, ten of the top churches in the country that I could think of that did internships, churches like Summit and Journey in St. Louis and mm-hmm. um, Capitol Hill in D.C. I mean, very different theologically, methodologically. And I just said, hey, can you send me whatever manuals you have for your internship programs? And so they they all sent them to me. And what I found is at least half of these churches, including some of the biggest, highest budget churches in the country, pay zero for their interns because they're providing a service to their interns already. They're giving them actual experience, hands-on experience, and, um, and an opportunity to serve in a formal way that helps their resume out and other things. And in turn, you know, these interns are providing uh, some labor to the churches. Mm-hmm. So we, we do this at Brainerd. We have uh, right now about 15 interns who are on our staff, and they commit to a year at a time. They give us, uh, I don't know, I'd have to look at our official paperwork. I'm guessing between 10 and 20 hours a week is mm-hmm. what they give us, and uh, they don't get paid anything. We do buy them some books on occasion, and we do, um, we're actually revamping it right now. We just are going through a little bit of a transition in leadership with our internship area, and so we've got a new guy who will be in the office uh, on Wednesday um, who will be helping lead our intern area. And uh, so, but we'll, we'll provide weekly training with the interns, just with sort of leadership training, not specific to their area leadership training though. And then, um, you know, we'll do, uh, I'll do a monthly training with me as the senior pastor meeting with all the interns. And then of course they, they each are assigned to a different area of the church where they work and experience. And we don't, they're not doing grunt work for us. We don't have them running and getting coffee or going, picking up dry cleaning. I mean, these, these folks are leading in the gym. Yeah, no, they're, they're, I mean, yes, they're doing, they're doing menial labor sometimes, I guess, on mm-hmm. uh, serving when it's like, related like to their show. ministry. But yeah. no, they get legitimate leadership opportunities. Our college interns mm-hmm. right now are leading our college ministry. We, we've just had a transition. We don't have anyone leading our college ministry right now. We have actually one of our college students we just hired to be our interim director of college ministry. Cool. He, he was one of our interns. And so from now through the end of the year, he's agreed to be our interim leader in our college ministry. And he's a college student. Some of the college students said to me, well, it's weird having a peer leading us and not having an adult lead us. I said, this is what it's called to be an adult. <laughs> when you're a kid, you have an adult lead your, your ministry. But once you become an adult, this to you, this is, you're this is, that's your adults now. The rest of your life, you're going to have peers leading you. And, uh, and so um, some of them are younger than you. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's not always the easiest thing in the world. So... Um, but give them legitimate opportunities to serve. Let them teach. You know what I mean? Let them, um, like we, we're, we're, we're doing a college retreat here soon. Our college interns are the ones who plan our college retreat. They're, they're helping select the location. They're developing the budget. They're developing the schedule. They're helping recruit the leaders. Um, I mean, it's legit. When they walk out of this, they'll know how to do some of these elements of the college ministry. Uh, we have uh, worship interns. Our, our worship pastor, uh, our worship pastor in the BX is the one who oversees most of our worship interns. He's the best developer on our staff, and uh, he leads on average one song per week. Oh well. Wow. Every other song is led by an intern. That's cool. And and nobody leads more than one song per week, by the way, hmm. in our in our worship center, uh, in our BX worship center in particular. He's and so as a result, we've probably got four or five people right now who could step out of our intern program and go on staff at a church as a worship leader. Um. And, you know, I mean, we, we, it also, it does help. We have a college, we have six colleges within 30 minutes of our church. And so we have a large college population and that does help. Right. No doubt. That's a, definitely a benefit, but I just, this isn't, or this doesn't require 
budget. It doesn't require staff. Uh, smaller churches, to me, they ought to be the first churches who are running out and grabbing these. When I was at Missouri Valley and when I got there and we ran 33, we went out and grabbed some college students and gave them real tangible opportunities to serve. Why? Because there was no no competition. <laughs> yeah. There was no one else scrambling for those opportunities, right? Right. So uh, don't, don't, don't think of this. I, I think part of our problem is mental here, Josh. Mm-hmm. We psych ourselves out. We think, oh, that's a big church issue or that's a big budget issue. Don't do it. Just go out and tackle it. Figure it out, you know. How do you recruit those? How do you do you go on Canvas or do you just yeah. post something on Facebook? So I'm um, I'm a bit of a Facebook anymore. Yeah, not for college students anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm a bit of a relentless recruiter. Um, just in everything we do. I mean, I'm telling you, it's a normal line at my house uh, at our church. I say this all the time: God loves you, and I have a wonderful plan for your life. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I I I'm not even joking. I say that all the time, and I don't mind saying that. I figure God's sovereign, and He's bigger than me. If my plan is not God's plan. He'll, he'll make override. it clear. Yeah, he'll he's going to override me. So yeah. I'm I'm okay, and I don't mind being unashamed and brash. And so I'm a bit of a rel- relentless recruiter in everything I do, whether it's recruiting people to go on mission trips or be a part of our staff or, you know, that's just part of uh, – I've made a play for you in the past, so you know a little bit about that. I do. <laughs> I've, uh, I've heard that phrase. You've been on the other end of that before. <laughs> and God was sovereign. <laughs> and God was sovereign, and he overruled me. So, you know, there you go. So what I found is you've got to recruit a little bit and get them in the program. But if you do it right, they and the program recruit for you. And do you have – so one of the things that's unique about you, uh, which – and and I've got a little bit of pushback, and it's not so much pushback. It's just like let's brainstorm some solutions to this. But if you're thinking of diving into this idea of next-gen leadership development, one of the things that's unique about Micah is his – personality of connecting that's one of the things that i always say he's a connector so he will find if you've got an issue he probably knows five people that have a solution to that issue and he will connect you right away um great about that loves being behind the scenes and stuff and i think that that's something you do i think my my problem with some of the internship programs that i've seen out there even some of the desirable large church intern programs you start talking to some of those interns and they'll say it was a mistake because there's nothing after this. Like I, what I do you do this, next? Yeah, yeah, they don't. They don't use their. Re, they really feel like, and I think a lot of interns expect. Whether you're at, and I know one that came out of a church that only runs, you know, two hundred. Right. I'm also extremely familiar with a program of a church nearby that runs twenty thousand. Right. And so they will both say the thing they expected somebody, maybe not the main leader but somebody to pull some strings at the end of this and to just kind of say, you know, okay, here's a couple positions over there. And it really, I think, hurts if there's nothing like that or at least no exposure to those opportunities. Um, and I just, you know, I, yeah. would, I would suggest if you are thinking about starting this on the front, realize what they're after. They're not after working free for you for the rest of their lives. No, that's right. They, they need some exposure. Maybe you don't call other people and say, hire this guy, but you at least say – yeah, here's here's the way you go about getting the next step. So I think that's helpful. Yeah, yeah. I would say a couple things. I would say um, one thing to remember first of all is they they do need genuine experience, and so internships ought to be about helping them get actual experience and learn um, how to do ministry. Right. So yes, that is part of it. But part of it is I'm trying to prepare for what's next, and they they want people to help them prepare for what's next. Here's what I would say matters. If you are in this to get work done, don't do an internship program. 
Wow, that's good right there. If you're in this to develop people, then let's do it all day, every day. So I tell, I, I met with our children's ministry. We had a children's ministry training yesterday for children's ministry leaders at all of our campuses, all of them in one room. And I told them, I said, let's talk about my philosophy about children's ministry and just ministry in general. Um, I told him, I said, my philosophy about uh, children's ministry and ministry in general is that proximity matters more than plan. And so um, I want to be with people more than I want you to do the, the plan I have for you to do. Because I'm convinced that discipleship happens more in proximity than it does through some sort of cohesive plan. So with children's ministry, that means our goal is not to have kids show up, sit in a program for an hour, and then leave. Our, we, want, we create structure to create an environment where relationships can happen. Exactly. Same, same thing's true with our internships. So my wife and I invest um, a lot in our college students, relationally. I don't mean just having a class. Now, we are kicking around the idea of doing a, a small group in our home for college students right now. Mm-hmm. But um, this Saturday, we're supposed to be taking two or three families to um, a swimming hole uh, that's mm-hmm. not far from us. And I've already contacted like five or six college students and said, hey, we've got two or three families that are going. Why don't you guys come hang out with us? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there's no plan. We're not training them. There's no, nothing special happening. They're just going to come hang out with us. Um, we've got a recent college grad in our in our church that we love and that we're really clo- uh, close to. And my, my wife has been discipling comes over and has dinner once every week or two at our house, right? And, you know, we try and provide some wisdom and and advice. That's not plan. That's proximity. And Mm -hmm. so to answer your question, Josh, um, we're trying to create a culture where we are friends with our interns, where we love them. We, We view them as Paul viewed Timothy, sons and daughters in the faith. These are not just cogs in a wheel trying to fulfill some sort of plan that we have for them to get work done. We want to know them, we want to be in relationship, and then we want to help hand them off to whatever ministry they're going to go into next. Now, we try and be proactive as much as possible. I mean, I've got a couple interns right now who I have wanted for some time to be overseas, and I've been real honest with them about that. <laughs> We've been, I've been pretty relentless with them about that. Remember, God loves you, and I have a wonderful plan for your life. And, right. um, and, and, and one of them actually came to me recently, actually at the SBC annual meeting in June, um, and said, God, I feel like God has called me to go overseas, so... I've been resistant for a year. Tonight, I feel like God has made it clear. Let's do this. So I've been proactive contacting some specific people overseas saying, hey, here's what we've got. This person, do you have a job that fits with them? They came back and said, we don't have a job open, but I talked to my supervisor. We have a job we want him to do. We can write the job description. Assuming that the Lord still continues to lead, boom, we've got this ready-made spot for them to be able to walk into um, globally. But that requires effort on our part. But here's why, here's how our our mind shift has to change, Josh. I don't think, and we've talked about this before, I don't think pastor's job is to do ministry. I think pastor's jobs are to equip the saints to do ministry. Right. We don't do ministry. We make sure ministry gets done. Yeah. And and I would say we do ministry as a part of our familial responsibility. In other words, you and I are members of the family, so we do ministry, but we train others to do ministry as our vocational responsibility. So that means people matter more than plans. So I am not worried. Too many pastors, um, too many pastors are trying to, um, just get stuff done. They want to be Mm -hmm. big and they want to work and they want to get projects accomplished. Stop it. People are our focus. Yes. We look, I'm a strategy King. Like I love spreadsheets and Excel and long range planning. You know that about me, Josh. Like I, I, I drool all over the keyboard over that sort of stuff. I think all three of us are. Yeah. But man, people are the issue. Like I, I want to be able to, I don't, I hope I don't mean this from an egotistical perspective, but I want to be able to point all over the country and say, there's my sons and daughters in the faith and they're serving in X, Y, Z places. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and to me, that's my legacy, not the programs I built or, or, you know, the numbers that we can, that we can communicate from our church. So I, 
this is a long answer to your question. No, it's good. Do an internship program if you care about developing people. But an internship program includes doing everything you can to hand them off to the next step after they're finished at your church. I love it. Do you have, and I know this, I've heard you before saying that you do it matters more than what you do. Yeah, that's right. What is, but what is the what you do? Let's unpack that a little bit for yeah. people who are just trying to build a program. Yeah, so this is, it can be different for everybody else. I've, I've had interns for years and years and years, and uh, I try, I've, I've tried to have personally two or three at a time. Right now I'm in between. I just talked to one yesterday who's been working with me, and he's moving, to, uh, he's got a grad assistant position, so he's moving, so he's going to step out of the role. I've got a new guy that I'm talking to right now about moving into an uh, internship role with me, but he's also just graduated college and has a possibility of signing on with an NFL team this, this uh, right now during training camp, so we're waiting to see how that works out, and if he signs nice. with them. Then he's going to do that, and I'll watch him play. If he doesn't, then he's—I think—he's going to intern with me. Uh, and so, um, I'm sort of in as between a right now. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Um, as my as my bodyguard, uh, he's a pretty big dude. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. I imagine. And uh, he's a lot stronger than I am. Um, so, what I do is really super simple. That you do is more important than what you do. Josh is right, in my opinion. Just do something. That's better than not doing anything. Um, but what I do is this: I usually try and break up the year into thirds. So I have. The three, uh, I try and, there's a number of different ways I can do it. Let me give you this structure. I've broken up the year into thirds, okay? So for us, we build it around deliver, disciple, deploy. That's our threefold strategy for making disciples at Brainerd. Whatever your strategy is, because you guys have Christ community compassion, right, Josh? Right. Okay, so you could break your years up in a a semester on Christ, a semester on community, and a semester on compassion. And -hmm. what I do is I assign to the interns two or three books to read during each of those trimesters or each of those Mm -hmm. thirds of the year around that topic. So what does it mean to deliver the word? All right, let me give you two or three books on what it means to deliver the word. And I'm going to want you to read all three. And I want you to write a one-page review on all three. And then I'm going to give you maybe a topic, ministry-related, ministry topic related to delivering the word. And I want you to write... um, a perspective, a theological perspective. Let's just, it's not gonna be much. Let's uh, three, four, five pages on how you would handle this topic. So that's sort of formal work that I might give them. And then informally, what I would do is try and meet once a week for an hour with them. And the, the hour is broken up into two parts. The first 30 minutes is nothing but shooting the breeze. I wanna know about them. Tell me what about, tell me about your week. Tell me about what you like to do. What are you doing? What's fun? Tell me if you're married, how's your relationship with your wife? How are you doing with your kids? What are, what's tripping you up right now? What are you excited about? All we do is shoot the breeze. Second half of that meeting is dialoguing ministry-related questions that they have for me. Uh, And it can be on any topic. We try and start, at least, with them focused on the topic that we're dealing with at the time. Deliver the gospel. uh, Deliver the word. Disciple the believer. Deploy the church, right? So Mm -hmm. we try and build the questions around those. I ask them to come to me with questions prepared. Um, I don't want to frame the questions. I want them to frame questions for me, and then I respond. The other thing that does is it doesn't require me to do a ton of prep work because I've got a lot of other prep work I'm having to do during the week, I'm putting the prep work on the one who's wanting to get the learn the learning done, right? right? So you do the reading, you prepare the questions, you come to me, and I'm going to answer the questions. And if I don't have an answer right away, we're going to work together and so I can get a, an answer for you. By the way, this is how I practice when I'm meeting with pastors who are older than me or wiser than me who have been in ministry longer than me. I usually take a, white, uh, a notebook and I usually uh, sketch out I still remember the first time I did this, I had an opportunity to lunch with Johnny Hunt like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I, somebody had told me to do this, and I grabbed a notebook, and I sketched out 10 questions. And I sat down. And I asked him. I said, can we go to lunch? I'll buy you lunch. He was in town. He said, yeah, let's do it. And then I sat down, and I um, uh, 
and I grilled him with those 10 questions that I had and I you know, took copious notes and he had one of his interns sitting with him at the time who is now a pastor and a really good friend of mine. We've become good friends <laughs> over the years. And um, in fact, we texted yesterday, as a matter of fact. Um, but uh, because of, actually, now that I think about it, Josh, we texted yesterday because he was listening to the EST podcast, but that's a whole oh, other issue. EST so, making the rounds. That's exactly right. My, so be this kind of person yourself and then just practice this with those you're interning with. It's not that hard, Josh. Like this, I think people get psyched out. Don't mm. overanalyze this thing. Yeah. You're just passing off wisdom, man. I've got a son who's 11 years old. You know how I pass off wisdom? I just Talking to him. tell him stuff. Yep. We stopped last night at the grocery store on the way home and bought my wife flowers because it seemed like she was a little bit bummed out yesterday afternoon. And mm. so Haddon said, why you do that? You know, it, we're, <laughs> we're still trying to help him learn chivalry. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's come from, he comes from a culture where women are not highly valued. And so we're, yeah. we're still working on some of those aspects. Why yeah. you do that? I said, well, because, buddy, you know, you take care of your mom. You take care of your wife. You take care of your daughter. Someday you're going to have a wife. I'm, I'm not going to have a wife. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're going to have a wife someday. <laughs> and it's your job to take care of her. Make sure she's, she's taken care of it. Mom seemed like she's a little bummed out today. So we're just going to, you know, it's going to cost but me $12 funny. to buy a bouquet of flowers. We're going to take it home to her. Right. And he just sat and pondered that for about five or six minutes until we brought home. Mom, big smile, was excited about getting the flowers. That's, yeah. all I'm, that's, that's what I'm talking about. You don't have to have a formal curriculum. I mean, you can. I gave you an outline for how you could do a formal curriculum. Mm-hmm. But... That you do is more important than what you do. Proximity matters more than plan. And here's the deal. I have noticed in my own life, you're the same way. Other pastors who are worth their salt are the same way, in my opinion, that those who are the top, the top level of these people, there's a difference in the kind of interns that you'll attract. If you open up your, your time, I'm going to spend time with you. And you got sort of these benchmarks to meet. I've seen interns who just really want you to sign off on that, you know, that ministerial credit where they're just going to get credit yeah, for that's volunteer. Right. That's and right. I've seen other ones that are just like, well, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do. It looks good on my resume. But the ones who will meet those qualifications of even just not so much the books and stuff, but just the one hour weekly meeting. That's they right. They will show up to that with questions. You can tell real quick. They want to learn. They want to do this. That's and, right. And they'll say things like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I just want to learn. And I always tell my interns and the people that I've uh, mentored in the past, look, very quickly, you're going to run out of my knowledge. So, <laughs> That's right. you, you know, That's you need right. to, my first advice to you is find another person right after this, because I can tell you everything I know, and then you're going to run out. So I, I, I'm telling you, man, I do interns because I'm a sucker for mentors. I mean, I've got them all over the country. If I have questions about something, I'm not smart enough to figure it out. I'm going to call somebody who's been there before me. Yeah. And uh, let me let me tell you one other just piece of advice, if I can. Never do anything alone. Mm-hmm. Like you do hospital visits, don't go visit in the hospital alone. Grab a high school student. Grab a college student. Take them with you. You say, well, I don't know that they're called into ministry. So. I mean, Everybody's I called. To the I don't ministry. care. I'll, I'll be honest. With that yeah, exactly. The guy that I'm talking about, the the football player who's who's likely going to be my intern. There's no indication that he he's right now feels called into ministry. He's a good teacher. We do know that he's taught in our college ministry. He's a good teacher. I told him. I said, bro, I, I want to meet with you. I want to help develop your teaching skills. I want to help you think about what it means to be a man who loves Jesus and knows the Word. And if you become a pastor someday, that's awesome. If you're a layperson, that's awesome. I just want to help develop you. Yeah. So who cares if they are called in the ministry or not? Grab a high school student, grab a college student, just say, hey, why don't you go to, with me? I'm going to go to the hospital and visit someone, or I'm going to the nursing home to go visit a couple, or I'm going to go visit someone in their home. I, I, I don't, I mean, I travel a little bit, you know that, I travel a little bit speaking, and, mm-hmm. and I require, when I go somewhere, I, or I don't require, but I ask them if they'll pay for someone to come with me. Now, most mm-hmm. of the time, it doesn't cost them anything if I'm driving, right? Like, right. I'm already going to get a hotel room, and I'm going to sleep in it, so I just get one with two beds. For one, mm-hmm. it's great for accountability. I'm never mm-hmm. by myself. 
Mm-hmm. But two, proximity matters more than plan. I want my sons in the faith to be with me all the time. I want them to see what I'm like when I'm not in the pulpit and how I function, how I walk through you know life trying to honor Jesus. And so just don't do anything alone. When you go to the end, your associational annual meeting, if you go to your, if you're, you know, a state convention or your, um, or your judicatory meeting, if you go to a national uh, convention or, or mm-hmm. take them with you. I mean, the great thing is it doesn't cost a whole lot extra. I mean, if you're already going, you're already written a car or you're written a hotel room, you can put them in the room with you. Maybe you have to spend an extra $300 for their uh, airfare. And, and there are going to be some churches that can't afford that. And I realize that. But right. if you're already spending a thousand or twelve hundred dollars to pay for your airfare and hotel to go somewhere, uh, spend an extra two hundred and fifty dollars to buy their airplane ticket, fly them out with you. They eat cheap, you know. College students they eat cheap, so <laughs> whatever you don't finish on your plate, yeah. And I'm telling you, <laughs> you'll you'll never get that back in money. But no. man alive, the exponential influence in ministry is way more than you could ever imagine. Bigger and bigger. Yeah. yeah. Just preached yesterday, Judges chapter two. I think it's verse eight or nine. There arose a generation that did not know the Lord or the works that he had done. So that's uh, as great a leader as Joshua was. He didn't, he didn't turn around and along. invest the that's way that right. Moses invested in him. So um, led to all sorts of problems. So that's we exactly need to right. be intentional about introducing people to a relationship with God. So hit us up on Twitter at EST Church if you have any questions, concerns, comments. And we'd love to hear your um, feedback on topic ideas. But uh, thanks for listening, and we will check you next week. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. Support for EST is sponsored by Pastor Talk by Lifeway. Join host Marty Dern as he interviews pastors, professors, authors, and other ministry practitioners. Pastor Talk gives you tools and encouragement to shepherd your flock well. Subscribe to Pastor Talk in iTunes or your favorite podcatcher or listen online at lifewaypastors.com.